let's face it, I'm not going to stop treating myself anytime soon, and neither should you. But what I should stop doing is paying for me time with whatever random credit card is in my wallet. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side by side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times the points on your spending. So what could future you do with better rewards? Honey, is it like a gorgeous free flight that you would have had to have paid for, but honey, you're saving that flight money? Is it a gorgeous room upgrade? Is it like a gorgeous like two-bedroom suite instead of a one-bedroom suite so your like in-laws or like your friend could stay over there in that room so you don't have to like hear them doing whatever with what they're doing in your your guys' room? Is it like really adulting? Oh, I love adulting. And you know what else I love? is not waiting to make smart financial decisions. I also love paying my credit cards off in full every month because like, yes, good credit. So let's like do try to do that and like making responsible decisions, which we love. Um, But anyway, don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Nerdwallet, finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome to Curious Now. I'm Jonathan Van Ness, and every other week, I sit down with a brilliant expert to go beyond the headlines. Today, we're speaking with Travis Alabanza. If you don't know Travis Alabanza, I don't know what you're doing with your life, first of all, but they are an award-winning writer-performer, theater maker, not to mention one of my dear friends. Their new book, None of the Above, is out in the United States this month. We talked all about the issues the LGBTQI plus community are facing in the United Kingdom, club culture in the United States versus the UK, and how fashion can be a protest for queer people everywhere. That conversation is coming up next, but first, let's head over to our news desk. Hello, Jonathan. What's going on in the news? Hello, Jonathan. This is Jonathan reporting live from my podcasting room. Here are the news stories of the week. In our first segment, headlines that even straight people are talking about, on November 7th, the Supreme Court will hear the oral arguments for the United States versus Rahimi. Here's some background on the case. This is a really important gun control case that's coming through in the United States. Zaki Rahimi violently assaulted his partner in a parking lot and then threatened to shoot her. She filed a restraining order against him. He proceeded to threaten another woman with a firearm, and he shot off guns in public five more times after that. He was arrested and convicted due to a federal statute that prohibits individuals who are under a domestic abuse restraining order from possessing a firearm. He challenged that law, and the 5th District Court agreed, saying that the statute violates the Second Amendment. Now the case is going to the Supreme Court, and the outcome will decide what power the federal government has to restrict Second Amendment rights based on a civil protective order. This is a really important case, you guys. We need to pay attention to it. Um, And we ultimately have to remember that our elected leaders and judges, they represent us, and we got to use our voice as such. Moving on to our next story, prosecutors in Michigan say they can no longer pursue criminal cases against former Governor Rick Snyder and others for their part in the Flint water crisis. 
The announcement comes after a series of appellate court rulings and the Michigan Supreme Court deciding not to revisit Snyder's case. The Michigan Supreme Court deciding not to revisit Snyder's case is potentially the final setback in a prosecution effort that has stretched over seven years. This was a very interesting story. A retired state senator from North Dakota, who is a Republican, by the way, was charged with traveling to the Czech Republic to have sex with a minor in addition to receiving images depicting child abuse. According to a federal indictment, State Senator Ray Holmberg was arrested and released after pleading not guilty to one count of travel with intent to engage in illicit sexual activity and one count of receipt of child pornography in the U.S. District Court in Fargo. He served for more than 45 years in the North Dakota Senate. His trial is set for December 5th. This story, I think, is so telling because for a Republican Party that has been so hell-bent on casting queer people as groomers, child abusers, um, and just generalized sexual deviants, so often we see the Republican Party, um, and the church for that matter, that often supports the Republican Party, um, is rife with sexual abuse in their own worlds. Um, So I think this is really interesting you know, I also think it's interesting that this person was able to bail himself out knowing that he's a threat to minors. Um, you know, I think that's just really interesting and it's really problematic. We'll see where this case goes. Um, but Senator Ray Holmberg, we hope you get... And now it's time for our next segment. Stories that made me go, whoa. Five sports have been added to the 2028 Olympics in Los Angeles. And I gotta say, I was kind of surprised about them. They're adding baseball and softball, which fierce... Cricket, cool. Lacrosse, yes, which have all been played at the Olympics before, and two brand new additions, which is flag football and squash. In our next story, archaeologists discovered an ancient cemetery in Egypt containing a papyrus that references, quote, the Book of the Dead and mummies. The Book of the Dead is an ancient Egyptian text that helped the dead navigate the afterlife. Apparently, the cemetery dates back 3,500 years to the New Kingdom of Ancient Egypt. This is a great story. A middle schooler from Virginia was named America's Top Young Scientist after creating a bar of soap that can be used to help treat melanoma. Heyman B. Kelly is just 14 years old. He created this soap from compounds that could reactivate dendritic cells that guard human skin, enabling them to fight cancer cells. His idea came from living in Ethiopia, where he saw many people working under the hot sun all day. He said he hoped to turn the soap into a, quote, symbol of hope, accessibility, and a world where skin cancer treatment is within reach for all. This is one of our sadder animal stories. Um, So if you don't want to listen to it, skip through. But Bobby, the world's oldest known dog ever, passed away in Portugal. Bobby lived to be 31 years and 165 days old. I'm really hoping all my cats and dogs can live for that record. Bobby was a Portuguese breed of farm and guardian dog and only had a life expectancy of 12 to 14 years. Oh, whoa. For our next segment, The Gay Agenda, we have a big update on gender-affirming care bans. Transgender young people, their families, and their doctors have asked the Supreme Court to ban a new Tennessee law that blocks access to gender-affirming care. I was actually able to sit down and talk to Elle, the girl at the center of this fight in Tennessee and Chase Strangio, a lawyer from the ACLU, to talk about this case. So look out for that conversation on a future episode of Curious Now. In our next story, India's Supreme Court has decided not to legalize same-sex marriage. Boo! 
Instead, they accepted the government's offer to set up a panel to consider granting more legal rights to same-sex couples. Activists and same-sex couples say they are disappointed, but will continue to fight for their rights. For our next segment, On Your Radar, On Your Radar, On Your Radar. If you're listening to this on Monday the 6th or Tuesday the 7th, we need to put this election on your radar. Please go out and vote. A sister district always reminds us there's no such thing as off-year elections, only odd-year elections. Pennsylvania has a Supreme Court justice case, or a Supreme Court seat that's uh, up for election. Virginia's entire House of Delegates and State Senate is up for election. And Ohio has two very important ballot measures that are up for election. One would enshrine abortion rights in the state constitution. The other one is about legalizing recreational marijuana. Ohio, get to it. You got this. Same for you, Virginia and Pennsylvania. We love you so much. You can go to IWillVote.com. They will be able to answer any questions you have about voting information in your state, and they can also provide you with information about polling locations and absentee ballots. So please just get over there and get out the vote. And now we're tossing the mic to performer and author Travis Alabanza to talk all about what it's like to be queer in England. First of all, Travis, how are you? Hi, babes. It's good to see you. It's weird seeing you and not being in a dressing room. I know, it's really weird. If, if these, if, if y'all don't know, Travis Alabanza, in addition to being an incredible author, is also a comedian. A comedian who I've had the pleasure of touring all over with. We've been all over England. We've, we've been... Have we, well, I guess we haven't toured in America, but we've hung out in America. We've hung out on over two continents. On and, two continents. Well, and Australia and New Zealand. I, I forgot about that, Travis. We've literally hung out on not one or two, but literally three continents. Three continents. Wait, which was your favorite continent? Oh. I think I love us in... I think I love us in every continent because we have so much fun everywhere. But I think... Oh my god, Australia and New Zealand was quite fun, darling. <laughs> yeah, Australia was so good. So good. Because we went to, because that's when we saw um, Billy Eilish. Eilish. I'm a bad girl. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> We've never stopped saying it since. Um, so, this is a time to be queer. Uh, this is a time to be publicly facingly queer. Uh, you've had an incredible career, you've had a really interesting career. Um, Travis's new book is out now, None of the Above. It just got an, because it was already out in England, but now yeah. it's coming out in America, right? Yeah, it's been out in England for a year and a half, and now it's out in America. It's an incredible book that I got to read. I think I got to read like the English edition, because um, I got to be early, because I just am typically never early, but in this case, I was. Um, and one thing that I love about your memoir is that it's not linear. It is, it's, it gives, it it paints such a picture and I think it's fun when things are structured in a different way. So can you tell us like why and how you approached uh, structuring your book this way? Yeah. Um, well, I think for me, girl, it's like, I already wasn't expecting to be or feel like an author. Like it already felt like I was stepping outside of my comfort zone. I've, I'm a club girl. I come from like club performance from like the age of 16, 17. I was performing in bars. I was being like the host girl so then when you start to write a book, I mean, you might sometimes have had it with your first book as well. You're like, what am I doing here? This is not where I feel like I should be. And so in order to feel more comfortable in the form, I was like, I need to not stick to the rules of time, of place, of all of that. Throw them all out the window and kind of feel a bit more jumbled up because that's how I felt 
like my intro into the industry was. So I thought, let me not pretend, you know. Would you say that that was giving you worse drugs with a little imposter syndrome at the very beginning? Just a tiny bit. Just a tiny bit. Just a little bit. I feel like, do you know what it is? It's like performing and going on stage has always been really natural to me. And I've always felt like that's where I belong. That's what I know how to do. And something about writing a book. Well, the the thing is, for, for people that don't know, the book is not really like a educational resource first. It's more me trying to ask the question, should I or should I not medically transition? That's like the central question of the book. Mm. And how I came to that was at first, I wanted to write the educational book. I was meant to be on a world tour. The pandemic happened. They shut all the touring down. And I'll be honest, I was like, where is the money going to be? Right? Which is never normally my motivation. Feels a bit dirty to say out loud. And so I start tapping down and writing this like seven ways to learn about non-binary. You're going to read this book and inhale it and then become a better person. Um, as soon as you finish chapter two, you're going to be perfect. Like that kind of book, because I thought that's what they wanted us to do. And like halfway through, I was like, I can't write this. This isn't me. This doesn't feel exciting. But also the scarier question was, am I even trans? And how can I write this book if I don't even know if I'm trans? And when I realized that was the real question, I had to call up my publisher and say, look, I can't lie. And so I think there's something to interrogate about this question for myself and what's coming up. Um, especially because I've been gender non-conforming and out since I was like 14, you know, I was wearing skirts down the street from 14, 15 roundabout way. So for me to then question what it means, I was like, that feels like there's some importance in this ability to question, you know? Where did you like come up at that age? Like where were you when you were 14 and 15? I grew up in Bristol in England, which for people that don't know, um, England is made up of more than just London. <laughs> and this is an, a- an hour and a half away from London, which in English terms means it's on the other side of the country. It's far. Yeah, it's far. Bristol is known for Skins, if anyone remembers the Skins, the TV program. And it's also, nope, Jonathan's like, nope, I thought you skin. meant like potato skins. Like, is that where potato boats were invented in Bristol? I didn't know that. We're known for Skins, hippies, and cows. That's like what we do. And cider. We make loads of cider. And I grew up on, now, this is where I'm on my US tour. In English tour, I call it a council estate. But I've learned that in America, an estate means like Bridgerton, posh, big vibes. But so I mean housing projects. So I grew up on a housing project, which we call a council estate. Yes. And I grew up on one like outskirts of the city, one bus to get in the center of town every hour and a half. It would never run. Um, you know, no one would even think about gentrifying this place here. It's still not been gentrified. Wow. So that was kind of where I was growing up. Um, it's called Hillfields. Um, and that's the kind of place I write about in the book. Recently, I've been having some stomach problems. Everyone that I talked to recommended that I take a bunch of different supplements and vitamins, but it's kind of complicated to keep track of that many different pills and powders every day. So I decided to give AG1 a try because I wanted a single solution that supports my gut health while also supporting my immune and brain health. AG1 covers my bases with high-quality ingredients like pre- and probiotics, adaptogens, antioxidants, and whole food-sourced nutrients. AG1 also replaces my multivitamin, my pre-slash-probiotic, and my supplements to support energy and focus. 
AG1 is the supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com curious. That's drinkag1.com curious. Check it out. My husband loves him some ritual. His little tum-tum can get off. His little microbiome, it says, help me. Enter Ritual. They created a three-in-one supplement, including clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support the relief of mild and occasional bloating, gash, and diarrhea. I really like Ritual because they prioritize sustainably sourced and traceable ingredients. I love to take my Symbiotic Plus every morning along with my hot tea or coffee because I feel like it helps me start the day off right. I also love that Ritual has industry-leading sustainability standards. Ritual uses scientific tools to select lower carbon packaging, prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients, and set ambitious climate goals. There's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 20% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash curious. Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash curious for 20% off. So does it seem worse anywhere, particularly like in the U.S. or the U.K. to you? Not that it's a competition. Does, is it just bad everywhere? I, again, the U.S., I'm still trying to get the grips of. Like, I feel like every time I come here, it's escalated in a different way. But I also think that in the U.S., there's more people. And so you also see more trans people in public. That's what I keep on thinking about in the U.K. Like, I don't think we, there's not as many of us. And I think that really affects like our energy around organizing, around art, around communities. We do have great things. Like we have a huge trans pride in, in the UK. Um, London trans pride is really grassroots and it's huge. But I would say that we still don't see loads of trans people in public life. And I know in the US you're still working, like you're still having to fight for it. But even when I think about like the fact that there's multiple different trans people that have been on TV in the US and in the UK we're still, you know, that is like un- unimaginable for us at this moment and people are getting closer, but it's, it's a really interesting time because I feel like the UK, like the US is prepping for an election and they are prepping to use us as scapegoats for this election. And so I think just as we felt that we might have got the grips of what it's going to be like in the UK. We're now preparing ourselves for another wave of them focusing on us instead of focusing on like issues that actually affect us, like healthcare, like wealth, like inequality, like housing, all these things. And so I'm bored, which is, I think, where my energy comes from because I then I'm like, let me focus on everything. Let me know what's going on. Let me stay connected to my community. But for me, the one thing they can't take from us is art. I've always felt that. I've always felt inspired by that. And so I just try and stay really connected to other trans creatives because historically that is the one thing they can try and censor, but they they won't and they can't. And that's the thing we have control of. I can't get on BBC. BBC remain biased and I'm happy to keep them in. You know, BBC stay, you know, our newspapers, they remain biased. But the art, 
that comes from us. And I think that's what feels thriving in both the US and the UK. So are you saying you wouldn't consider the BBC to be a left-leaning publication? You've heard it here first. Um, Look, BBC, you know, my previous and current employs me in lots of different ways. I think that they are completely biased when it comes to trans representation. And this is the issue is like, the bar is really on the ground. And I feel like that's why more and more we have to rely on our own sources of media, our own sources of entertainment, really self-create. But it's a shame because I actually don't want to completely self-create and isolate just within us. You know, we're like more we grow more when we're with other people. And as trans people, we shouldn't have to think before these moments, like, does this newspaper hate us? Are they giving a biased representation? In in the UK, you know, they spark up these headlines, even about hospital wards, you know, and, and um, create days and days and days. Tell us about the hospital thing. It was October of this year, 2023. And they kind of put up these, all, all these headlines from our recent Tory, which is our conservative Republican government conference, saying that they were going to make sure that trans people were kept out of single-sex spaces, including hospitals. It then ran with this headline being like, trans women banned from single-sex women's spaces. But no law had been put forward yet, nothing had gone through yet, but the headline had already done. This is the thing, when you already send out the headline, You already create the machine. It already sells the papers and it already clicks the link. And in the UK, I feel like the biggest thing is actually whether or not the law is changing or not, the constant push on the law creates this energy in the UK that is constantly debating our existence in public space, in sport, in all these things. And it's it's tiring and relentless. But the real tea was in the UK. Obviously, you know, we're quote unquote lucky. We have a free healthcare system, but that is currently in loads of debt and is crumbling. And the the funniest meme I saw in response was from this girl. I can't remember what her name was, but she said, why are they debating whether or not we are in their wards? At the current state of the NHS, we're all sleeping in the corridors of the hospital anyway, because the Tories have cut our funding. So it's like a make-believe argument. There's not enough room in our hospitals to even divide us. It's like washing the windows when the house is on fire. Exactly. Like you're banning people while the house is on fire or whatever. Right. There's a nine-hour waiting list to get into the hospital. We're not, we're, not, we're not segregating them. None of us are getting in. Not to make such a hard right, but you talk about how fashion can be a protest when you're trans. Um. What has fashion meant to you as a form of expression and protest? And and how does fashion uh, play into your world now? Oh, wow. Um, Yeah, well, I feel like fashion for me starts in the book because in England, a lot of us, a lot of our schools all are in school uniform. Even if it's like public, state, private, it doesn't matter. Everyone wears school uniform. I do hate that about England, I will say. It's horrible. But it was the first time I learned that, wow, I know how to edit and I can edit some clothes and a school uniform to fit my vibe, but also that it would change completely how the world saw me, right? I will never forget that we all had to wear these like kind of like box straight leg black trousers and like a blue sweater and like a white shirt underneath. But I would like cut my jumper and crop it and then take this, and I would make my mum take out the seams of my trousers and make them like big. 
Cute. I walk down like with a big little pant down the hallways, you know, twirling <laughs> and whirling. And <laughs> it was the first time of like seeing that one fashion would make me feel really different. I would feel more confident, but that two, it would go hand in hand with how people would respond to me. Um, and I used to try and accessorize my uniform the most, right? Like in England, it was so strict. You had to like look all the same and I would be like, okay, what are the things I could do? Can I tie dye my jumper? So it's technically still a blue sweatshirt, but it's tie dyed all these different colors. Can I wear like black flat platforms? Because technically that's not a heel. You know, I was really being that annoying kid where the, t- you know, the t- and I'm sure if now I had the language when the teacher was telling me off, I'd be like, miss, that's transphobia. When actually I was just being annoying. But <laughs> it was really important because it really made me find my confidence, you know, from an early age. And I think that we neutralize clothes, but actually like it changes my whole life, you know, depending on how I dress depends how safe I am, depends how free I feel. But it also gave me the kind of confidence to ignore what could happen at school. You know what I mean? Just waltzing down. And so I talk about that in the book, that like moment where I decided to edit my school uniform and change those vibes, you know? I love the editing of your school uniform vibes. Honey, I love a luxurious moment, but I also love luxury that, like, doesn't cost quite so much. Then I discovered Quince, and it was a total game changer. They have so many different items to choose from. They have washable silk tops and timeless 14-karat gold jewelry. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Thanks, Quince. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Indulge in affordable luxury, honey. Go to quince.com slash curious for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash curious to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash curious. My makeup routine changes every day. Sometimes I'm giving you full glam, but sometimes I like a no-makeup makeup look or like literally just like almost literally no makeup. It just depends. Whether you like fresh-faced, full-glam, or somewhere in between, there's a Thrive Cosmetics product for you. Thrive Cosmetics beauty products are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free. They're made with clean, skin-loving ingredients, they are high-performance, and they have uncompromising standards. One of my personal favorite products is the Brilliant Eye Brightener. I love this product because it can be used in so many different ways. It can be a highlighter stick that's made to brighten and open up your eyes. They support amazing causes, including the LGBTQIA community and racial and social justice. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash curious. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash curious for 20% off your first order. In the book, you reference, and we talked about it earlier a little bit, about nightclubs and your experience in nightclubs. Um, when we got to interview Lahore Vajistan, uh, one thing that they said was that there's this desire to lose the world um, when you go into a club. But I think we also take our baggage. Does that quote 
uh, resonate with your experience in clubs? Well, it's hard because it depends what state you're in. You know, I feel like whatever state you're in is what you bring to the space. I feel like when the clubs were working amazing for me, I was also in a good space. And then, you know, suddenly they are a bit like a coin. The clubs can be really liberating and also can be a huge place of avoidance. I mean, for me, the club is like a place of history as well. And I think what I love about the clubs, which I don't think has come back fully since the pandemic, is it's such a casual way to meet queer people of different generations. And I found that such an important learning lesson for me. Like I would then be in a club with an elder trans person that has worked in the clubs for the past 40 years. And we're not meeting on a panel. We're not meeting like in conflict. We're not talking online. We're having to get to know each other through the club. And that's not to say that bad things don't happen there. But for me, it formed so much of my education. And I think when you're not someone that's got a university degree or when you're not someone that is, um, you know, in academic spaces or finding yourself in knowing how to get to the queer panels, the clubs actually become that kind of school. Mm. And there's baggage at school. Girl, I had baggage at all types of schools. So yeah, there's baggage in the club. But I think I am a long stander of a protector of the clubs. Do you feel like there's any big difference between like American nightclub culture and British nightclub culture? The music and the drinks. We need to talk. I need to check in on America about a vodka lime soda. I feel like your guys are a little strong (laughs) if we're going to talk about it. I feel like not every club should be like the Abbey level drinks. Like the Abbey and WeHo, like that has like English level strength of drinks, just like very untasty. I do feel like from the UK, as soon as you're 15, we like celebrate everything with a drink. The drinking culture's bad, you know, like... Yeah, because you guys do it much earlier. We don't drink till we're, like, we don't legally, you know, we don't drink for much longer as well. We drink at at three years old. You know, three, five, (laughs) six, seven, you know. You guys are giving, like, debauchery a little earlier. Yeah, in those single sex NHS waiting rooms, the nurse is just there giving that poor, poor (laughs) person a vodka lime soda from birth. And then they said, oh, no, that's the single sex word. Get, get the trans person back into the corridor. We need to give this person a vodka lime soda right now from birth. <laughs> Assigned vodka at birth. It explains a lot. The music. Now, I will say America love a top 40 more. So I like that it gives the pop girlies their credit more. England, I feel like in a club, we're always trying to give a little like, um, so you haven't heard of this yeah, song. Like, yeah, techno. like, um, so, um, sir, like, um, oh, you wouldn't have heard of this song. It's not been released yet. It's planning. And you're like, oh, when's it coming out? 2072. Like, that's a bit more, <laughs> our, that's a bit more our vibe. Or it, it was like 2006. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Like, exactly. Like a, like a little bit, like of a throwback moment. Yeah. So I feel like going out in London, it's like, oh, this is like our live vinyl night. Um, and we're only playing like remixes on like a vinyl in black and white sepia tone. And like in the US, I do feel like there's people in a, a good heel and a party dress more often. And I like both. It just, none of the above. None of the above. I like both. I love that we worked the name of the book into um, the transcript. Um, okay. So speaking of the book, the book centers around questions <laughs> of your own identity and gender expression. So how do you see yourself now? And how do you hope to see yourself in the future besides always being a hot slut? Because wow, you just look amazing and you always have and you always will. But other than that. Thanks, babe. Um, The only consistent identity I hold. And that's never transitioning. (laughs) Stagnant as hell. Yes. Um, 
Um, how do I, I mean, it's changed loads since the book, girl. I feel like in the book, I was really going through it. You know, I was really caught up in these questions about who I was and whether or not I was real was the feeling. Like, I feel like a lot of the conversations from the media had seeped into my head and I cared so much about what other people thought and I was doubting myself so much. And I think through writing the book, what I've realized is that doubt is like a normal human emotion and that just because we're trans, I think something can happen to oppressed people, which is we then have to present always the best versions of ourselves, And we kind of become so rigid because we're trying to present really good versions of ourselves that we take away the things that are really human. And doubt is like a human experience that everyone should be allowed to have. Changing your mind is a natural thing. But something had clicked in my brain where I was like, oh, if I change my mind or show any doubt as a trans person, that's it. I'm not allowed to do that. I have to be so sure of myself because the world is demanding me to constantly know everything. And I think what's changed since writing the book is I'm hopefully, I feel, giving myself a lot more patience to not know all the answers, to not know what I might look like in five years, five minutes, but that everyone else has that too. Trans people should be allowed to change their mind. And I think people get confused about us arguing for our rights and our autonomy. And they always try and go, but what if you, what if you change your mind? And I go, we should be allowed to, just like everyone else should have access to choice. We should have a choice and then be allowed to shift. My identity though now, I'm going to just stay with hot slut. It's so much more simple. It's gender neutral. It's a truly gender neutral term. Um, it's I think a do- that's why I like it. Yeah, it's a doing word. It's a doing word for me. Yes. <laughs> getting, the out of the, getting out of the head and into the verb. Uh, you know? I think that's really incredible. Uh, one other follow-up question. Would you ever run for office, darling? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I'd be awful. I'd be awful at it. I know. I'm so, I object, darling. I'm so ready for you to like get up and do one of those fiery parliamentary speeches. It's giving like Annalise Keating in the courtroom. I love it. You can point at the other side. Listen, you fucking backbenching twat. Don't you fucking ever. Oi, cheerio. Cheerio. Yeah. Um, okay, wait. <laughs> What's one thing that you hope people take away from your story? I think I really hope that people take away from my story and the book that gender nonconformity is like a valid and true position to hold, whether or not we look different in 20 years or not. And I think for me, it was really about, sometimes I think that people see gender nonconformity as like the in-between moment or as like the silly dress up moment or just for fun or entertainment. And I think I really wanted people to see that like gender nonconformity is something you really have to fight for. Like it's hard to keep. And there's loads of pressures for us to choose one side or the other. And that that is a fight that should be like commended and also taken seriously. And I want other gender nonconforming people when they read the book to feel like I am taking our story seriously and that we come from loads of different types of places, you know? Mm. No, that was beautiful. That was so good. Okay, it's time for it's 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 time for our um our for our final moment. Are you ready? Okay. Okay. Um it's a rapid fire media moment. What's your current pop culture obsession? My current pop culture obsession is 
everyone doing like POV acting out of them on coworkers, like coworker POVs. Have you seen that when people are pretending to impersonate their coworkers on TikTok? Oh no, that sounds fun. It's really niche, but it's really funny. And I'm gagged. The girlies be doing it and they like impersonate all their coworkers and all their different things. And everyone's jumping on and doing it. And I'm loving it. Oh my God. As a non-corporate girly, it's like a window into the corporate mind. Obsessed. What's a recent today I learned moment for you? What's the today I learned? Wait, JVN, pause. What's it? Uh, like today I like like today I learned like I learned a couple days ago on TikTok that like anglerfish mate by the male anglerfish like bites into the belly of the lady and then they fuse together and they share a bloodstream and they literally become one and they mate for life. Like the lady anglerfish literally absorbs the male anglerfish and they literally fuse and become one fucking thing. Is there like a slow motion capture of it? There must be. Yeah, I looked up on TikTok. It's so disgusting. I wanted to puke up and die. I'm also going to Google it as soon as we hang up on this conversation. Okay, tell me about what your thing that you learned today is then. Uh. That a group of um, flamingos the other day I learned is called a flamboyance. I know other people must know this, but I didn't know. The plural for a flamingo is a flamboyance. What's a meme or gift that made you lol recently? Um, This is really basic, but... I'm loving that there's a resurgence of Cameron from uh, Modern Family coming back up. And it's uh. just pictures of him and memes of like different phrases over the top. And every time I'm laughing, I love it. What's a moment of queer joy we can end on other than everyone going to buy your book, which is available now? Uh, None of the above by Travis Alabanza. Buy it right now. Thanks, babes. Um, Dylan Mulvaney winning the Attitude Award Woman of the Year. Oh my God, that was such a moment of queer joy. Travis Alabanza, I love you so much. Thank you so much for coming on. We love you so much. Follow them yesterday. We love you so much more than anything. I love you. See you in England soon, probably, hopefully. Like literally in a week. I'm leaving, I'm, I'm going on Monday. Cheerio. Love you. You've been listening to Curious Now with me, Jonathan Van Ness. You can learn more about this week's guest and their area of expertise in the episode description of whatever you're listening to the show on and follow us on Instagram at Curious at JVN. I also talk a lot about the podcast on my TikTok if you want to follow me over there on official JVN. Curious Now drops every other Monday wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to tune in next Monday for an episode of Pretty Curious and every Wednesday for Getting Curious because Getting Curious still every Wednesday. Don't even ever worry about it. But you still can't get enough? You can subscribe to Extra Curious on Apple Podcasts for commercial-free listening, which I love, and our subscription-only show, Ask JVN, where we're talking sex, relationships, and so much more. Our engineer is Nathaniel McClure. Our theme music is also composed by Nathaniel McClure. Curious Now is produced by me, Chris McClure, and Allison Weiss, with production support from Julie Carrillo, Ann Curry, and Chad Hall. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.